the Scripture demonstrates that we're in a battle. Satan is fighting in any way that he can to overcome us and condemn us to an eternity of torment. Ephesians chapter 6 describes the battle. Beginning in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and then having done all, to stand. Our peers apply pressure to turn us to evil. Satan's behind that. Hollywood glorifies immorality. Satan's behind that. The world degrades the Word of God. Satan's behind that. And yet Satan recognizes that there are a whole bunch of people that will not succumb to this full-on frontal assault. And so he's turned to more subtle means. And we find that even well-meaning people who want to serve the Lord and who believe they're serving the Lord are deceived by the subtle means of Satan. As he strives to turn us away from glorifying God. And while there are numerous people who continue to attend church and be part of churches, the problem is is that they are no longer glorifying God but serving self. Even as they're part of churches. And one of the things that I want us to recognize, we can talk a lot about various things in that, but one of the things that I want us to recognize is that within that, Satan has particularly targeted young people, teenagers. As he wants to subtly turn you away from serving and glorifying God to serving and glorifying yourself. You see, the problem is that churches view you, young people, as the lifeblood of their future. And what has happened is that it's almost in many churches become a we've got to get young people as members at all costs. Anything that we can do to get young people here, that's what we've got to do. And a dangerous shift has taken place in many churches. No longer is the church concerned about making sure that young people get to heaven, although they think they are. Mostly, they're just concerned about making sure that the young people are members of this congregation. And whatever it takes to get them to be a member here, we'll do it. What can we do to get teenagers to get to come to church here? To get them to be our members here. Get them devoted to being here so that we'll grow and we'll have lots of young people and lots of life and... Well, some churches, they have the idea that, you know, if we put up basketball gyms and baseball fields and soccer fields, we can get the young people that are interested in sports. Or, of course, we could we could have ice cream socials and game rooms and pizza parties and we'll get the ones that are interested in social interaction. Provide recreation and entertainment for them. For those who are interested in education, we can provide tutoring and scholarships. We could have plays and choirs and all kinds of things. We'll get the ones that are interested in the arts. 
anything it takes to get them here. What can we do? We want to do that. But the problem is, when this is what is drawing us, it's no longer about glorifying God. How many of us, young people, have looked at a church and asked the question, what's in it for me? And frankly, teenagers, I don't really blame you for that. We've been trained to think that way. In fact, how many times have we heard our parents, as they go to a church and talk to the leaders, how many times have they asked, what's in it for my kids? I'd like us to ask a different question. What's in it for God? What's in it? For God. What about what we're doing glorifies and honors and praises and lifts up God, serving Him His way, as He has said? What's in it for God? I'd like us to think about that for just a few moments this morning. Before we do, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up. We praise your name. We honor you because you are the creator. You are the redeemer. You are our merciful benefactor. You are our judge. You are the glorious sovereign Lord who created the world. And by your power it is maintained. By your strength it continues on. You have given so much for us. And then beyond that, you've given us your son so that our sins could be washed away, so that we could be free from the fear of eternity in hell, so that we can look forward to the hope of heaven being with you for eternity. You have given us so much, and we have deserved none of it. And Father, now we turn back to you, and we want to offer to you our praise, our honor, our glory, our devotion, our commitment, and our service. Help us not to be distracted by our own lusts, Help us not to be distracted by our own desires. Help us not to be distracted by human wants, but rather to focus, Father, on serving and glorifying You Your way and not serving our own passions and our own desires. Help us, Lord, to serve and honor and glorify You Your way. Forgive us where we've fallen short because we do so often. Help us to overcome the tempter. Help us to overcome our own lusts and desires that because of our past practices have taken over. We pray that You give us the strength to overcome. And we pray these things through Your Son who died for us. Amen. Here's the root of the problem. The root of the problem is that that Satan has convinced so many today that as long as you're going to a church, any church, it doesn't matter. Everything is okay. He's convinced so many that as long as a church is sponsoring something, it doesn't matter. It's okay. As long as we can tack the words onto it at the end, in the name of Jesus, it's okay. As long as we can make it seem somewhat spiritual, it's okay. But I want you to look in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, where there in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here were people that were spiritual. Here were people that were going to church. Here were people that thought they thought they were so spiritual that when Jesus said, you're not one of my brothers, you're not one of God's children, they were going to argue with them. Look at all these spiritual and religious things we've done. But in the end, what did Jesus say? For all the spiritual and religious things that you think you've done, you've been practicing lawlessness. You've not been abiding by my law. Who gets to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? Not somebody who just says, Lord, Lord. Not somebody who just does something that's remotely spiritual. Those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Those who take God's Word and follow the pattern that He has given. These are the ones that enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who are putting God's things before their own things who are putting God's Word before their own feelings and their own experiences. Those are the ones. And so it's not enough just to be going to church. It's not enough just that a church decides to do something. It's got to be God's will. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus there said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When we start adding in the things of men to God's things, that's when we start having a problem. And he says that their worship is vain. All the spiritual things that they might do, even the things that might be correct, those things become vain if mixed into that is just man's doctrine. We're just going to do man's things. We're going to follow man's traditions. We're going to do the things that appeal to man. We're going to follow the lusts of the flesh. We're going to add all these things in. And I know that people are doing that with sincere motives. I know that they're wanting to do that because they think that's how they draw people to Jesus Christ. But the problem is that turns us into folks who honor God with our lips, but our heart is far from Him because it's not about honoring Him. It's about what do I get out of it? Think about that. When it becomes what I, about what I get out of it, where is my heart? Is my heart honoring God when my number one question about the church that I'm going to be a member of is what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? Is my heart close to God then? What's in it for God? Young people, have you ever thought about why God gave us this? Why the New Testament? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, Paul talked about why the Scripture was given to us. And he said that you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why has God given us Scripture? He's given us Scripture so that we can be taught Reproved, corrected, instructed in righteousness. He's given a scripture that we might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How are we going to know what's a good thing to do? How are we going to know what God wants us to do? He's given a scripture. And as we study it and understand it and follow it, then what we're doing is following good works. 
And if we can't go into this and find equipping, then what is it? It's not a good work. No matter how good it might seem to us, no matter how fun, no matter how great, no matter how appealing, no matter what we think the consequences of it are, if we can't go into the Scripture and find equipping for it, then it is not a good work. Because the Scripture says that it equips us for every good work. Not just some good works, not just most good works, every good work. Paul explained why he was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. He said, If I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. He's saying, I am writing so that you know how to conduct yourself. One translation just demonstrates it's not just about Timothy, but so that one might know how to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Within the context of Timothy, this is talking about the local church. He's, I'm writing so that you know how you're to behave in the church. He's providing a pattern for us. But here's what Satan is subtly doing today. Satan is subtly causing folks to believe that the pattern of God no longer matters. Think of some of these statements. Have you ever heard any of these? God gave us the Bible to tell us He loves us. All He wants in return is for us to love Him as best we can. Uh, now, by the way, some of these statements, just, on, just by themselves, sometimes they may not necessarily be so bad. It's what's intended by them. Basically, when we hear most folks say this, they mean it doesn't matter what you do as long as you've got a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart to the Lord. But loving the Lord means keeping His commandments. Have you ever heard this? Surely a loving God's not going to care if we do, do a few things differently. How about this? We're all going to heaven. We're just taking different ways to get there. Do not spend too much time thinking about the letter of the law. I, I tell you what, before, here, you know what, back up. I always like this one when folks say, you know, you know what, your problem is you're just spending too much time on the letter of the law. Because you know what that says? That says that the person realizes, you know, if I do just what it says, I'm going to do it the way you're doing it. You're just focused on just what it says. I just think that's an interesting admission. But you ever heard anybody say, oh, you're just focused too much on the letter of the law? Or how about this one? As long as Jesus is your Lord, nothing else matters. Well, of course, in, in one sense that's true. As long as Jesus is your Lord, whose way are you going to be doing it? You're going to be doing it His way. But see, typically what's meant by this is, as long as you say Jesus is Lord, you can do what you want. God just wants us to be happy. So if it feels right, it must be pleasing to Him. I know what the Bible says, but I just can't believe God would condemn us for that. How about this? It's all about getting people to know Jesus. Surely God wants us to do anything and everything we think might cause one more soul to learn about Him. Now, no doubt all of these statements sound appealing. But have you noticed how every single one of them minimize God's Word, His pattern? It minimizes the concept that God gave us a Word so that we would know what His good works are. That God gave us a Word so that we would know how we ought to behave ourselves in the church. All of these things set myself up above that I figured out what God wants more than what God says.
Does God really care as long as we're honoring and glorifying Him? See, that's the real question. That seems to be the big thing today. As long as we're honoring and glorifying God, does it really matter? I mean, Edwin, you're just, you're just way too worried about doing things just like God said. You know, Jesus died so that it wouldn't matter exactly how we live, and, and God's grace will just cover us for all those things. Because does God really care how we do things as long as we're honoring and glorifying Him? Well, let's ask Cain. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, again, she bore his brother Abel, now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now we don't know exactly what was wrong with Cain's offering. The Hebrew writer later tells us that Abel offered his with faith and Cain didn't. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which means Cain didn't offer his based on faith from the word of God. What God had revealed, Cain did something different. But it was a sacrifice. It was an offering. He was taking something from himself and he was offering it up to God. Does God really care as long as we're honoring and glorifying Him? Let's ask Cain. Because God cared when Cain did things his own way. Let's ask Uzzah. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 6 through 11. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 6 through 11, we know the story of Uzzah. David and all Israel went up to Baalah, that is, to Kiriath-Jerim, that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart. What a place of honor. This is a new cart. It's never been used to haul manure and hay and stuff. It's a new cart. And we're just going to put the ark of the Lord on that one. So they brought it up on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were rejoicing before God with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. Then when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. What was the problem? They weren't supposed to be carrying that ark on a cart anyway. Folks from the tribe of Levi were supposed to be carrying it. Did it matter what they did? I mean, look at all the praising of God they were doing around it. I mean, for crying out loud, they put it on a new cart. They were honoring God. They were blessing God. They were saying that His ark was worthy. And when Uzzah reached out and grabbed it, all he was trying to do was protect it. But God struck him dead for it. Does it matter? Does God care how we do things as long as we're just honoring and glorifying Him? Let's ask Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. In Leviticus chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who hear me, excuse me, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. God had told them where the fire was supposed to come from, and they did something else. They did what was not commanded. 
One translation says they did what was not authorized. And God struck them down for it. But he can't but it was an offering. They were honoring God. They were glorifying God. They were lifting up and praising His name. Did it matter how they did it? Apparently it did. And the amazing thing here is you notice what God's response is. Look, this is what I've been telling you. I will be honored and glorified by the people. Do you see what God is saying? God is saying that if we're honoring and glorifying God, it doesn't matter what we do. Because if we're honoring and glorifying God, we're going to be doing it His way. Otherwise, it's not honoring and glorifying God. So now I'm asking you. Romans 15 and verse 4 says that these things were written aforetime were written for our learning. These things were written to instruct us so that we might know how God expects us to live as His children, as His covenant people. So now I'm asking you. As long as we're honoring and glorifying God, does it matter how we do it? I think it does. And I think we have to ask the question, what's in it for God? What's in it for God? I want to talk specifically again for just a moment to the young people, teenagers especially, college students. You guys are at a very precarious position in your lives. So desperately wanting to be out independent and standing on your own two feet, and yet at this point as you move out from under your parents' wings, your footing is not quite sure. You don't want to just follow in the footsteps of your parents. But you don't want to just abandon everything they believe either. You want desperately to serve God with all your heart. And yet, merely by the fact that you just haven't been on the earth long enough, you don't know everything about what God says about His pattern and about what He wants from us. And Satan wants to take advantage of you right now. He realizes that if he can get you to look with longing at churches that offer all kinds of fleshly draws, and if he can get you committed to that right now, then it'll be hard for anyone to ever get that out of you. And so he's taking advantage. And I understand as you look to the churches that we have today with their... With their fellowship halls and their gymnasiums and their youth trips and their, the pizza parties and all the things that they're doing in the church offering all those things, that you look at that and you say, you know what, I, boy, that just looks good. And I know how preachers have recharacterized those things to just look good as they've made it a part of the church's work. But remember 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14 where it says that Satan himself can look like an angel of light. So it's not surprising. The things that aren't authorized in the Word of God can look good to us. Here's the question. What's in it for God? We can style anything any way we want. You know, folks today, they have pizza parties and they call it fellowship. They have gymnasiums and basketball camps and they call it evangelism. 
They have show choirs and dance teams and they call it praising God. But how many of these things are really about God? How many of them are more about us? And entertainment and satisfaction of the flesh. What's in it for God? What about what I'm doing and what the church is doing is about serving and honoring and glorifying God His way. Remember what it said in Matthew 7, 21-23? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. i got to tell you, I look at these folks, I see sincere people. I see well-meaning people. I don't think we see here folks that are just utterly rebellious, that don't want to do God's thing. I see deceived people. And that's what's happening in our world today. As people are deceived, as they take all sorts of fleshly things... And recharacterize them as serving the Lord. And we've got to be careful that we don't do that. John 6 and verse 44 and 45. Jesus there said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and, he'll, and I'll raise him up on the last day. Well, how are you going to draw him? It's written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You know, it's so interesting today that we have so many ideas about how we have to draw people in. You know, if we just have fun and games, if we just have recreation and entertainment, if we just had a youth group that, that does all kinds of these things, and if we had parties and, 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 and basketball, upward basketball, and even upward cheerleading and all those kind of things, boy, we could just draw folks in. You know, if we had Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl Sunday and we had the halftime of we could just draw folks in. If we just have our fellowship hall thing and have dinner and then come and have everybody come in, we could just draw folks in. Are we not saying then that the draw that God has offered is not good enough? Because what he said is, they shall all be taught by God. The drawing power that God has offered is the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we believe that's not good enough? Oh, but everybody won't come if it's just about teaching. Well, that's right, but if they're only coming because it's about basketball, they're not responding to teaching anyway. What's in it for God? Perhaps you're here today as a visitor and you've seen this church and you've wondered, why, why are they like that? Why, why don't they have the fellowship hall? Why don't they have the gymnasium? Why don't they have the family life centers? Why don't they have the, the youth groups? Why don't they have the trips to Astro World? Oh, no, wait, wait, not in Texas anymore. We don't have Astro World here. Six Flags. Why don't they have the trips to Six Flags? Or maybe you've grown up in this congregation or congregations like it and you look at where your friends go to church and you just think, oh, that would be, be so awesome. If I could just go someplace that, that had the youth group and, and two or three times a year they took those trips and they had the pizza parties and they had the fellowship hall and they had the Super Bowl Sunday night devotional and they had the movies and all of that stuff. Oh, that would be so awesome. And you've wondered, why doesn't Franklin do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because to be honest... 
We're not really concerned about your recreation or your entertainment. We're not really concerned about feeding the flesh. We're not really concerned about providing you with fun and games. We're concerned with you being taught of God so that you can go to heaven. And I trust that because you're a member of this congregation and friends with the Christians, you'll do stuff with them. You'll go out and eat pizza with them. You'll break bread from house to house as they did in Acts chapter 2. But that's not what our job as a church is to make sure you're doing that. Our job is to lift up the truth so that you can be taught of God and have your sins forgiven. And if we did anything else, we wouldn't be saving your soul. And we'd be losing ours in the process. Please, don't let the devil distract you from serving God and glorifying Him His way.